electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Carl, thank you very much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner. Front and center this hour, the only question that seems really relevant right now, are we going back to the October bottom or not? The Investment Committee debating that on day two of our stock summit. And joining me for the hour today, Joe Terranova, Kerry Firestone, Jenny Harrington, and Farmer Jim Labenthal. Let's check the markets because we pretty much are at the highs of the session, hanging out right around there. Three quarters of 1% for the Dow, 33,400 even. S&P 500, 38.70, 1.2%. NASDAQ having a pretty good day as well, despite the fact of what Microsoft is doing, which we're going to get to in a second because if it was Apple and Tesla yesterday, it is Microsoft today. Farmer Jim, I want to know your opinion on the question of the moment, because that is the debate in the market right now. Josh sat over there yesterday and suggested he thought we were going to go back to the bottom, if not breach it. What do you think? Um, Happy New Year. Good to see you. You Unfortunately, Happy New Year. Same as the old year. Is it going to be a happier New Year for you and your stock market? I feel pretty good. Prognostication. I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. We'll get to individual stocks later. But to your question, um, Unfortunately, same as the last year, right? We got to talk about inflation. We got to talk about the Fed. Um, But the one thing that I would say is very different from when we hit those October lows or those early summer lows is inflation is, seems to me, clearly on the way down. Uh, You've got a Fed that's a lot closer to the end than it is to the beginning of its rate hike campaign. And you've got an economy, Scott, that's hanging in there. Um, And it catches me by surprise, too. But yesterday, the Atlanta Fed GDP now estimate for the fourth quarter was rised up to 3.9%. You're going to say, Scott, and I'm going to agree with you, but that's now and what's going to come. I mean, we shouldn't expect 3.9% in the first quarter. That would really catch everybody by surprise. I wasn't but the going main, to say that. The main point... <laughs> I was going to say, sorry, get to the point, sorry. answer my question. Uh, Are we think, going to retest the October lows or not? I'm setting you up for the answer, which is I don't think we are. I just see a much, much better economic and Fed set of conditions than when we were there in October. It's just that simple. Carrie. Well, we've had since mid-October three higher lows, okay? Technically speaking, uh, the market is trying to set itself up for some continued strength. Now, I know that it was making lower highs since the beginning of last year, but this is a trend, honestly, since mid-October that feels like this is the type of day that would support saying no to the market going back to those lows because, you know, we're getting around this 3,800 level back and forth and back and forth, but we're not going back to 36, 3,500 so easily. The market seems to have some buyers at this level, and a day like today proves that point. Jenny, UBS says you're going to have a sell-off into Q2. 3,900 is at the end of this year, so basically where we are right now. It seems to be kind of the prevailing thought, right? You have trouble in the first half, you rally back in the second half, maybe you end up break even, maybe you end up higher depending on whose target 
you are looking at who is uh, right now at the highest end? Right, so I think that 14 and a half times $220 earnings and bringing us back to 3200 or 23200 I think that's plausible. I don't think it's probable, but I think it's plausible. What's probable? Um, it's hard to that's say this year. That's what I'm trying to year. get at today. Yeah, what's I think probable? so. I think what's probable is that 81% of the time after a down year, the market's up. And so I think we end, I think what's probable is that we're sitting here in a year from now and we've had a positive market. But the in-between now and then is going to be very humbling and very hard and a lot of hard work. And, and I, I can see us testing highs. I can see us testing yeah. lows. I just think it's going to be a year of digestion. Okay. You know, like if, if last year was a year of reckoning, this year is going to be a year of digestion. And it might be where most of 2023 is actually spent looking forward to 2024 <laughs> and, and um, anticipating what comes there. Is it going to be indigestion, Joe, is the question <laughs> for the big mega cap tech stocks. And that's where I'm going to pivot right now because I mentioned at the top of the show, if it was well, I Apple. I don't get the same. <clears throat> no, because I've talked to you a million times recently about, about the market. I'm sitting here doing math. <clears throat> that's right. I've gotten your market view a lot lately. And I want to pivot you to what is certainly one of the stories of the day, and that's Microsoft. And I'm okay. pivoting to you on that because it is the worst Dow stock today. It's the worst S&P stock today. Okay. And it was one of your picks yesterday in our stock summit, to which I asked you upon your uh, entrance to the building today if you, you wanted me. to reconsider and per perhaps petition us for a redo, uh, to which you said no. Well, yes, it would be a petition because we'd have to decide, <laughs> and me as the judge would have the ultimate ruling on that, and I don't think you want to know like how that ruling idea. would go. Yeah, no, I just don't want to go through a full trial. So, so, no, so what, do you, what do you think here? Right, it was downgraded today. This is a big deal, okay? It was downgraded today. It's our call of the day, and we bumped the call of the day all the way up for obvious reasons. Uh, too neutral from buy. Price target goes to 250. This is at UBS from buy. Uh, and it's about Azure and it's about the slowing growth engine. One of the principal reasons why people were willing to pay a higher multiple than historically averaged for Microsoft because of that growth in the cloud. Mm -hmm. oh, what do you so think? What, what I think is that if you have high conviction in a stock, if you have a belief that you're owning a stock because it's going to provide you a conservative allocation towards a select group of stocks that you think potentially could have a recovery, the best thing that can happen is that expectations get lowered. And that's exactly what happened here. So I feel even better about it. I feel better about the fact that we're marking down what we believe the earnings growth for the most significant component of the business, the component of the business where the growth and the revenue appreciation has been catalyzed over the last several years, and obviously that's Azure. So I feel great about it. I like lowering expectations. It does not change my view at all. This is the most diversified mega cap. The NASDAQ is 4% above its October low. The NASDAQ is going to take out its October low at some point. And in that type of environment, I want to own Microsoft above the other mega caps. So it doesn't make you in any way reconsider whether that stock is going to do well enough in a universe of stocks to be a better performer for a, a stock summit pick. Listen, I'm not I'm not being glib in this remark. I've been doing this 30 years. If if you're going to sit there and you're going to have a analyst downgrade come out and you're going to change your view on something that you had such high conviction about one day before, you really shouldn't be doing this. So Sorry, no. I, no, I think that's a fair, and, and uh, I think that's a good answer. Uh, Jim, you own Microsoft, right? 
What do you make of his pick and what do you make of this news? I own very little of it. I own about two and a half percent, which is well below one half of the market weighting. And the reason that I own it comes under portfolio management, right? Um, there are going to be times, and you know, this you know, after today might be one of those times where technology catches a bid, mega cap catches a bid. Uh, but I don't think that's going to be the theme of the year. I think the theme of the year is going to be more average stocks uh, get a bid and more cyclical stocks get a bid. That said, portfolio management, I don't want to be totally out of this, so I'm underweight uh, Microsoft. I'm underweight uh, tech in general, I think it will do fine. I think, you know, to Joe's point, this isn't like Azure is broken. It isn't like the company's broken. Maybe they do have a bad quarter with Azure. I don't know, but I think that Azure over the years to come is going to do just fine. I just think that at this multiple, 24 times, it's still expensive. I can't get really enthusiastic about it uh, because of that multiple. It's just that simple. Jenny. There's a really important word in this downgrade, and it's maturation. And we need to think of that and apply it to the broader kind of FANG plus Microsoft concept complex. So when we look at these, and to your point, Jim, it's not a cheap valuation. It's trading at 24 times. A lot of these stocks are still kind of rich. And we need to acknowledge the fact that they have been maturing and I think now are kind of entering a mature phase. When we think about predictions, you know, because we're at the beginning of the year, I'd bet you we sit here in 10 years and we look back and we kind of look at these companies not as these wonderful high-growth tech stocks, but as kind of industrials or utilities. And you know what? When you have that kind of maturity, you don't get a 24 times multiple. And so I think that we collectively as investors need to re-rate the multiples that we're willing to give them, given the, given the maturity that's, that's within this whole complex. Carrie, you own it too. Yeah, I, I own it. We're not overweight Microsoft, but very few people are overweight Microsoft and Apple. Remember that because there's such big weights in the S&P. And if you look at what's happened with growth stocks, and it's Apple, Microsoft, Google, Netflix, Amazon, Fangs, plus other names, those stocks mostly have been hit extremely hard. Microsoft is the last one to have been hit very hard. It held up the longest. And I think even though the multiple has gone from 32 to, I would say it's 22 forward, 22 Mm -hmm. times forward earnings, it's still higher than many of the names in the category. Meta is 14 times. And you can't hold on to that for long in this market environment without giving up some more. Uh, You know, I think it'll settle down and, and it could be back you know, on the list of people who want to buy stocks that are growing above the S&P rate. It's a great company, great balance sheet, but it's being hit on the multiple side because that's what's happened to well, all maybe of it's them. Gonna, well, if, as long as the Fed remains aggressive, isn't it likely that that continues? By the way, did you guys see Neil Kashkari today, Minneapolis Fed president, right? Pretty the guy's not a hawk, okay? Not Pretty traditionally. Hawkish. He sure is wearing a suit today, though. Right. I have us pausing at five point four percent. That's what he said. Once we see the full effects of the tightened policy, we can then assess whether we need to go higher or simply remain at that peak level for longer. What do you make of that? It's extremely hawkish. It's uncharacteristic. Um, And I think, unfortunately, if that comes to reality, we are going to talk about an economy and more importantly, earnings that are going to contract significantly. I mean, if you think if he thinks that. What do some of the more hawkish people think? Right? I mean, isn't that's kind of the point. I feel like he's been being more hawkish, though, for the last yeah, several months. Yeah, I know, months. but the, my, my point, though, is that you can't ignore a, a traditional dove making an extraordinarily hawkish statement like that, can you? You can't just brush that off. So it's, it's troubling. 
I'm not going to brush it off, uh, but here's my comment on it. You know, uh, you've got inflation month over month, the headline CPI for the last few months, looking at 0.1, 0.2%. Now, if you annualize that, all right, that's well, you know, that's pretty darn close to the 2% rate that the Fed's looking for. And here's where I'm going at with this. Let's see next week's CPI. Let's see what that month over month rate comes down to, because if inflation is coming down as rapidly as it appears, and the Fed, whether it's Mr. Kashkari, Mr. Powell, or the combined uh, voters on the Fed continue with this hellbent for leather approach to rate hikes. They're going to get a blowback politically and societally. It's going to stop them in their tracks. Now, to anybody who says they don't operate that way, phooey. OK, it was about a year and one month ago that Mr. Powell was in front of Congress and got lambasted for the transitory call. And he changed his tune pretty quickly. And over the course of his tenure, there's been plenty of times that he's changed his tune in response to what the prevailing winds were blowing. Do you not so let's believe just see how Do you not believe Kashkari? I believe he, this is a good question. I believe he is earnest in what he is saying. I don't for one second believe that he is lying. But what I would want well, to why see. Why would he be lying? That's not what I'm asking. Do you believe that, they'll, that well, they I may think, go that high? Let, let's look at the market. Hang, the hang market on. In, let, putting the semantics aside, what I would like to see is two things. What the CPI number is next week and what his response is to What was the CPI last time? Like 7.7? Seven, 7.1, seven? Seven I believe. 6.7 is the expectation for next week. And you're looking for 0.1 on the month over month, which if you annualize that, in the last few months it's been 0.1, 0.2. You get well Still below high. 2%. No, it isn't. Here's what I think. 0.1% month over month? I'm not talking about month over month. I'm talking well, about the level of where it is. But I think your point is right. Right? Like, it doesn't matter Thank if you. it's 0.1. It doesn't matter if it's 6.7 or 7.1. What matters is that what Kashkari is telling us is what we know. It is going to be tighter for longer. And so what he's doing is he's solidifying the direction that we know. Right, tighter and longer. So then as portfolio managers, as investors, you need to say, you know, if he's directionally right, if kind of collectively we're more hawkish, if we're going to stay tighter for longer, does this investment work in a in a higher rate environment for longer? But, but right. The, the, the tech stocks we're talking about, right, yeah, even mm-hmm. as even up. as others come out today and name Amazon a top pick alphabet initiated by meta initiated by. Yeah. Right? And, and, that, and that's knowing the what Kashkari said, so what, what I think is most interesting is the markets having this response today, given what we just heard. And, it, you know, you look at the Nasdaq, you look at these tech names, and they're going higher despite mm-hmm. the, the obvious. Which well, I mean, is, today they are. Today they well, are. But, but, no, no, no. I, I don't think it's just today. It's just you're starting to have value buyers look at names that are 14 times earnings, 15 times exactly earnings. Right. And, and Demand is starting there. All of, yeah. these, all of these stocks mm. have lost a multi-year period of right. momentum. Well, that, 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 is with, that, is without, that is without question. Look, I'm suggesting to the viewers that I think at the end of next year, owning Microsoft would be the right trade. Within Joe T, Microsoft's been there since inception. There's a real possibility that at some point before the end of next year, Microsoft is taken out of Joe T, and it could go back in again at some point. That's the nature of the strategy. But you can't dismiss that the momentum that's been so significant in these stocks is completely lost, and it's Amazon, it's it's Microsoft. What about Apple? It's it's what Apple. about Apple? Who Dan it's Ives, Apple by the way, and- he cut the price target today on Apple to 175. He's going to be on overtime tonight to explain exactly why. And he always criticizes the Apple haters, and he's going to get into detail why he moved on the target. Today. And it began and it began with Meta, and and you know we're very quick to forget that you had such a significant freefall in Meta and now say, okay, well, it's, it's, it's <laughs> cheap. I see a difference there. It's cheap. Where did it, where did it come from? 
So that, that's significant damage on portfolios, and it creates a sentiment where a lot of investors don't want to quickly return to those stocks. Let's get a couple of things in here before we take our first break. Um, you bought the GLD. I did. Um, as gold makes a move. Six-month high. Yep. And the XLRE. Take, XL, take me through that. Well, the XLRE, that, that's just based off of yesterday. My, the real estate. Real estate. My belief that publicly traded uh, REITs will see a, a mean reversion for a significant discount valuation to the private markets in 2023. I think if we do get the economic contraction, you'll see a fair amount of M&A that will occur. We, we know that private equity has a lot of cash and will step in and, and look to do deals. So uh, I think that the XLRE, uh, the universal approach of owning the ETF, allows you to, an opportunity to take advantage of that mean reversion. And last point on that, understand that publicly traded REITs have outperformed private real estate in the last several recessions and in the subsequent four quarters today. And any comments on the table about gold right now? Right, buying the GLD certainly hasn't been an inflation hedge. No, it's but that that's <laughs> not, not that, listen, that's, that. <laughs> that's that's not what this is. I know this is a trade. It has significant relative outperformance to other commodities. I think there's factors going on in 2022. You had significant uh, international buying for the metals, whether it's gold, silver, or the miners. It's got positive momentum right now. Six month high for gold. It's a good trade. All right, let's do this. Let's take a break. Coming up next. Our 2023 Halftime Stock Summit continues. Jenny, Carrie, and Jim all unveiling their top stocks and sector picks for the year ahead. We're back on the Halftime Report in just two minutes. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one which means we do the little things right so that we can keep our promises and you can keep yours too. That's what drives us. To learn how OD can help your business keep its promises, visit odfl.com. Old Dominion, helping the world keep promises. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. Uh, we got day two of the Stock Summit right now. Jenny Harrington, you are in the hot seat. Your picks, Kohl's, Uber, B&G Foods, and then we can get to your sector one after that. But 
Take me through those three. Why? Okay, so here's the theme. They're all down over 40% year to date. The share prices, I believe, have all overly anticipated a very worst case scenario. And then each one has unique attributes working for it next year. So in the case of Uber, you've got them cracking serious free cash flow generation with about $2.2 billion expected to come next year. That's a 4% free cash flow yield. In the case of Kohl's, you've got a 7.7% dividend yield going into this. The share price has anticipated a consumer that just lays down and dies. In a worst-case scenario, we think they produce $3 of earnings. You've got a $2 dividend, so it's really well covered. And then in the case of B&G, last year you had commodities working as a headwind. This year those turned to a tailwind. They reset the dividend, so you've got a 6.5% yield that's safe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Financials. Say that again faster. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was like, when you were, when you were talking about how, I was like, I, actually, I think I got all that. I actually made it my New Year's resolution to try to slow down, but I guess it hasn't taken. So uh, okay. let's hope it I'll does. I'll try on financials. <laughs> let's hope it does. All right, financials. I'm not trying to be a hero, and you know that I really hate doing sector wide wide swings. So this is me just saying, looking across all the S and P sectors and saying which has the lowest peg ratio. So um, PE divided by growth. This one comes in second lowest. The next one is consumer discretionary, but I don't want to make a play basically on Amazon and Tesla, so I chose financials. I think also they might have overly reserved for a truly worst case scenario. If my friend Jim is right and we have no recession or not terrible recession, banks should end up doing really well next year. Did you even go Sorry, into detail? Did you go into detail about Kohl's? I don't know. It happened so I fast. Did. I don't remember even where I'm we're so at. I'm so happy like to redo commercial. it. <laughs> want me to redo it? Don't you want a dividend from Uber? Um, no, not yet. Okay. Yeah, maybe in 2024, 25. Okay, Carrie, you're up. Charles Schwab, Align Technology and American Tower. We'll get to your, your sector as well, but, but give me the, the lowdown on those three. <laughs> okay, slow it down. Nice and yeah. slow. <laughs> no, I don't talk that fast. So Schwab, no does. <laughs> Schwab sells for PE below the market, 16-ish. It's been um, a winner, right? If you think about who showed up to compete with Schwab in the brokerage business going for all of the new traders, many of them have disappeared. So it's sort of the, the Schwab uh, fidelity world on that side of the, the table. They have a lot of momentum in terms of asset growth. Higher interest rate helps them. Um, and it's an organic growth story, and we think that this multiple can sustain itself. And um, so we like this talk. Align technology. That's the Invisaligner, mm-hmm. or the clear liner that uh, we watched go down from, se- we didn't own it, from 700 to 200. That's where we bought it. Part of the negative story, not just the multiple and how expensive, was China, because China's is a big growth market for them with the lockdown, no business. Things are going to start to improve in China. Again, the stock is traded down from 700. It's now 25 times earnings. It's a 20% five-year growth rate, and we think uh, dominant in its class. Uh, we like that story very much. On American Tower, it's a very different story. Got hit because interest rates were going up and a lot of SX, uh, FX exposure because so many of their towers are over are overseas. FX is starting to turn around. Interest rates, we believe, are, are peaking here. This is a utility. It's a rental business. They have escalation clauses in their towers. And so uh, we think that at, after having a really bad year last year, it will have a good year relative this year. Why the financials also? Oh, God, I can't believe it. Do you want me to do it for you? I can't believe it. Um, what I, I was going to say this anyway, and it's true. The type of financials we own, which are not big banks, which are names mm-hmm. like S&P Global, um, Schwab, 
First Republic Bank, Blackstone, are different financials, which have been hit hard and we think have serious cash flow, dividend yields on some of them, and not selling for high multiples at all. And we think relative to their, their peers, uh, they're going to do really well. I mean, I bring it up because didn't yesterday, I think you said something to the effect of, if not almost exactly, I wish real estate was part of the financials, because yeah. if it was, I would, I would just say financials. So okay. there is this belief that that's a group to be in uh, among a lot of people right now. There's there's an incredible resiliency reflected in financials and even in the banks themselves. And I said this with you on overtime a few weeks ago. Um, We've got an economic contraction, but yet the banks seem to be messaging something a little bit different, more towards what Jim's talking about. But let me just finish this last thought on on financials for a second. If you think about every recession, okay, in every recession, there's one sector whose balance sheet is most negatively affected by the recession. So if you go back to 2000, 2001, it was technology. Well, what happens? That sector cleans up its balance sheet in the next recession. They're able to endure through that environment. In 08, technology, yeah. right. that sector. So if you think about 08, financials most negatively impacted, cleaned up the balance sheets. I think they're going to be resilient and in a recessionary environment. That's my point exactly when I say yeah. they probably overly reserved because 0809 is still fresh in our memories. In yeah, terms I'll of Schwab, add that to mine also. Mm-hmm. You own Schwab in the in the Joe T. Again, just, just to reiterate, uh, one of Kerry's picks for the summit. So, it, fantastic company. Um, it, w- without question, I think it was my final trade at the end of uh, last year. Um, this, this is a company that has the ability to grow. It's always been suspected to be a potential M&A target. I don't know if I see that. It's not the reason why I would own it. But it, it is just a, a quality company with a great balance sheet that delivers for its customers, fantastic reputation, and it's, it's something that you know, I've owned. So I, I, I mentioned already the GLD and then the, the real estate ETF, you also bought the XLF. I, I did. And by the way, just real quickly, why am I buying ETFs? Because I'm in a 30-day window here where we're going to rebalance and reconstitute Joe T. So I don't want to go to individual stocks right now. I want the exposure to financials. I see the outperformance here in the near term. And I wanted to uh, ensure that I had some form of uh, investment there. I'm just going to say, we're, we're after the break we're going to take, you're going to do your summit. Financials are not your sector pick, I'll just say that right now so that we're not going to be repetitive, but you do like the space, right? I do. I do. Um, look, everybody knows my position. I don't think we're going to have a recession. I'm not ruling it out as a possibility. Of course it's possible. Uh, but as Joe pointed out, even if you do have one, the bank balance sheets are in pretty good shape. I mean, we should marvel that they didn't get caught up, the big money center banks in crypto and NFTs and all that sort of stuff. So the balance sheets are in great shape, which means their lending is going to continue. And if you don't have a recession, and all of that capital expenditure that you've heard me talk about for months comes to fruition, it looks like it is, that needs financing, okay? And that financing is going to come from the banks, whether it's in loans or underwriting debt. Uh, economic activity benefits the financials. What do you think, Joe, of this call by Wolf today? They downgrade Morgan Stanley to underperform. Did you see that call? I think that price has, target yeah, stays at 92, but they downgraded to underperform. Well, you've had a little bit of a lift here from Morgan Stanley. You own it. I, I do. I've owned Morgan Stanley, by the way, personally for for years. The wealth management division has really been uh, accretive to revenue, uh, a fantastic franchise, and the trading activity has been solid. And I think trading in 2023 is going to be a significant driver of revenue growth for a lot 
of the investment banks. And I think Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley are going to benefit from that, as well as others like Bank of America and Citi. Okay. We will take another break. We'll come back. The Halftime Stock Summit continues next. Jim Labenthal gives his best ideas next. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to the Halftime Report. I'm Contessa Brewer. Here's our CNBC News update. Russia's defense ministry is blaming mobile phone usage by its soldiers for a deadly Ukrainian missile strike New Year's Eve. Uh, the defense minister says Ukraine was able to identify soldiers' locations using their phone signals. The strike killed 89 servicemen, raising the reported death toll from 63. That strike is the deadliest single incident Moscow has acknowledged since the start of its invasion. A new ruling from the FDA broadens access to abortion pills, making them available at pharmacies and mail order companies. A requirement for patients to have an in-person health care appointment with their provider was temporarily removed during COVID. Yesterday's ruling permanently drops that requirement. Still, the impact of the FDA rule change has been blunted by changes in state laws. And Walter Cunningham, the last surviving Apollo 7 astronaut, has died. Cunningham and his two crewmates orbited the Earth for 11 days during the 1968 mission. That paved the way, of course, for NASA's eventual lunar landing with Apollo 11. A spokesperson for Cunningham's family says he died from complications of a fall after a full and complete life and made a real impact for those who have followed in his footsteps. Scott. Contessa, thank you. That's Contessa Brewer. All right, more of our annual Stock Summit playbooks. Farmer Jim, you are on the tractor. <laughs> You're on it. Let's go. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Oh, uh, I, no, I normally, I, I was supposed to tee you up. That's okay. Uh, Where to go? Big, I'm going to call these big shock selections, okay, before Stocks you do it. Stocks never heard before. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like the fact that you really went out on the, the creativity curve here. Uh, for Boeing, wow, Cleveland Cliffs, <laughs> and Paramount Global. Go ahead. I, I thought about all, these in all picks, seriousness. I thought please. about these picks long it's and hard. It's not a joke. And, and you know, look, a lot of them are down from their all-time highs. Um, and you got to look yourself in the mirror and say, do you believe in it? These are stocks, by the way, Judge. You know this that I've been adding to over the last several months. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I believed in them six months ago, twelve months ago, and they're down, you're supposed to add to them. You're supposed to step into them. That's what I've done. Now, starting with Boeing, do you want to say something? I do, because <laughs> only because it makes me think. Yep. That's perfectly fine logic, of course. Please. But when a Boeing, for example, yep. is up 52% in this the past point. three months, yeah. Yeah. do we really think it's got another massive burst ahead of it for yeah. a summit so This pick? is a really, really good point. And I think all of these are up in the recent 
time frame. So to everybody who's listening, if you don't own these, what I would say is start adding to them. But they are all up meaningfully. And one we're going to get to is up like 12 percent in the first two days of the month. And what I think you should do is start building your position. But I don't think you have to load the boat because, yes, there may be a little give back over the coming months. But from here to the year end, I see bright skies ahead, starting with Boeing, because, look, what you're looking for here is engine supplies to pick up. You're looking for China to start placing orders. That's a big if, but there's some news articles out there. Uh, Bloomberg's been talking the last week that maybe China is ready to warm relations with the U.S. And if that's what they want, the way they do that is by putting orders in and taking deliveries of the already ordered, already built planes, the 737 Maxes, that are sitting on the tarmac. But a lot of things have been going right for Boeing, and I think more can come through, particularly with engine supplies picking up. Give me the scoop on Cliffs. Yeah, Cleveland Cliffs, this stock was unnecessarily beaten down last year. If you look at the EBITDA that it's going to generate this past year, it looks like it's about $3.3 billion. Two weeks ago, they announced, Lorenzo Gonsalves announced that they've reworked their orders with auto OEMs, which are about 50% of their business, where they're getting higher prices this year, 2023, than last year, at the same time that their costs of production are going down. Think energy in particular. That's what you want in a company. That $3.3 billion EBITDA last year, which might be higher this year, uh, goes against an $8.5 billion market cap and a $13.5 billion enterprise value. By any measure, this is a cheap stock. generating cash. That's a nice little pop there. And finally, Paramount Global. Yeah. So this one's up whatever. You're not just trying to like say it today because it's up like 7%, right? No, no. Look, I mean, you wanted some absolute love on this. If I said that, what would you say? You'd say it's down how much over the last year? 45, 50 percent, right? (laughs) I don't know. I might have. I might have. But serious, why is this going to be the year? Um, well, it's dirt cheap, 5.6% dividend yield, trades at half uh, book value. Uh, you know, the multiple, I don't care whether we're looking at last year's multiple or this year's multiple. Those are the wrong multiples. You need to look into the next year where the uh, streaming business, Paramount Plus, which, by the way, apparently had, if you look at Aptopia, apparently had a great number of downloads last month. Um, it's the fastest growing streaming business in the industry. And I don't want anybody to say, at me, say to me, yeah, but it's off of a low base. Not anymore, okay? This is a meaningful throw weight amount of subscribers that they've got uh, still growing. And in 2024, that should not be the cash flow drag that it's going to be this year. It's just a matter of time before the market realizes that. And what about Yellowstone? A lot of Yellowstone, right? That's 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 a good contributor. Great, great. Good contributor. What about industrials as your sector pick? I mentioned it wasn't going to be financials, even though you like financials. I do like financials. And look, first off, industrials, big, wide area that you can find things you like. It's defense and aerospace. It's railroads. It's transportation. It's the cats. It's the deers of the world. And ultimately, what this comes down to is economic activity. I I caught Joe a little bit. You were talking about, I forget what you were talking about, but you said we're in a contraction. Then you caught yourself. Well, we may be added into a contraction. A lot of people think we're in an economic contraction right now from which we're going to recover. Michael Burry over the weekend, by any stretch of the imagination, by any definition, we're in a recession. No, we're not. Okay, GDP right now is projected by the Atlanta Fed at 3.9%. We're not going into a recovery. Okay, economic activity is strong on the back of CapEx and infrastructure spending, and that will benefit industrials. We're in a contraction, but I don't want to debate it. Uh, <laughs> how, how, but tell me, how, how do you say it? How more, do you say it? More, can I comment on Please, have I said a word? Go okay. ahead. Um, two You'll things. know Number when one, I say Boeing, enough is enough. I, I like buying the, the strong momentum, and, and certainly there's a balance sheet that, once fully repaired, is going to look uh, to investors incredibly attractive. The other stock is Paramount. And the question that I have for you 
is you did a fantastic job, Jenny, close your ears, with <laughs> Intel, selling out of Intel. Did a great job, right? right. You had to sell discipline there. Yeah. You're suggesting Paramount to the viewers. I love this question. What's the sell discipline on Paramount? Where are you wrong? Okay, I, I love this question because you have to distinguish, as we all do, mm-hmm. between when a company is broken and its stock is broken. Okay. okay, if you look at the stock of Paramount, that's a broken stock over the last year, down whatever it is, 50%. If I look at the company and I go back last year and said, what do I want them to do? They're doing everything from a company execution point of view that I want them to do. Are we in some advertising slowdown right now? Seems like we are. I don't know. Does that last a quarter, two quarters? Maybe. That's not what I'm in the stock for. And this is the same to your point about Microsoft Azure, right? I don't know. Maybe they have a bad quarter. Who cares? It's a great business. I want to own great businesses. I'm getting it at a fantastic price right now. Okay. We are going to continue this, of course, all week. The other committee members throughout the rest of this week will make their own picks. In the meantime, right now we do have breaking news from Washington. Our Elon Moy on Capitol Hill as our Republicans try and pick a speaker. Elon. Well, Scott, California Republican Kevin McCarthy has come up short for the fourth time in his bid to become Speaker of the House amid a continued stalemate with hardline conservatives. Now, that vote is still going on, but McCarthy could only lose four of his Republican colleagues. Right now, there are seven who are voting for someone else. So the path forward is truly unclear from here already. Former President Trump has tried to go to bat for McCarthy urging Republicans to coalesce behind him. That hasn't worked. Republicans also talked about a potential motion to adjourn or perhaps some members voting present to change the number of lawmakers who need to support McCarthy in order for him to win that bid. So far, none of that has happened. Instead, they are continuing to forge ahead with this fourth vote for Speaker of the House. And once again, Kevin McCarthy appears to be coming up short. Scott. All right. We are to be continued. Uh, Elon, thank you. That's Elon Moy with the latest from the Capitol. Stay with us. Our chart of the day is next. One of today's top Dow performers. We reveal that trade when we come back. We're back. Time for our chart of the day. It is Salesforce. It's rallying today after announcing a restructuring plan. It is one of the best Dow stocks today, up 8% in about a week. Well, there it is, 8.5%, up 3.5% today. All right, so they're, they're going to lay off about 10% of the workforce. You own Salesforce. Yeah. What do you think of this? What do you think of the stock? Well, I think the stock is very cheap. I mean, the stock's gone from 50 times earnings to 22 times forward earnings, and not, not because earnings have been growing so fast. Uh, and you've got a lot of people looking at it, including activists who have been in the stock and putting pressure on Mark Benioff, who has a reputation to maintain. It looks as if he's tough on his successor. So he's got to get an act together. And one way to do this is cut costs, improve margins. He's announced 10% headcount. I think there's a lot that they can do with the company to um, improve profitability. And yes, it's a slowing time in software and serum businesses, but that will pick up and they are still dominant in their field. And so we think the stock right here is attractive. And obviously other people think so too today. Forward. Yeah, I mean, these kind of announcements tend to lead to a stock going higher. Sure. Uh, but at 25 times forward, is it cheap enough? It's uh, cheaper. It's much cheaper. And, and Does perhaps. That, I mean, you know, that gets you a ham sandwich. We, we think it's less than 25 times forward earnings. We think that the profitability is going to improve. And you're going to start to see some upgrades based on the moves that they're making and that the estimates will go higher over the next, you know, few quarters. Farmer Jim, you own it too. 
I, I'm having trouble with it, Scott. You know I'm having trouble with it. It's a 1% position in the portfolio. It's my token holding in what I call hyper growth area. I feel a lot better when I speak to Carrie about it. Um, you may ask why I have it at all. All right. And this comes under the heading of portfolio management, folks. And the way you got to look at this is the market is serving you a dinner party and on your plate is asparagus, which is the hyper growth stocks. I hate asparagus. OK, but I'm not going to insult the market, my host, and not eat any of the asparagus. I'm just not going to eat very much of it. I'm going to eat more of my, you know, yeah, but somebody somebody served you the asparagus. This you picked yourself, even okay. though you don't like it. It's, it's, not, it's, it's an imperfect <laughs> metaphor. It's, is still it's an in imperfect progress. analogy. I will grant you, but the, the, no, actually, it's not that bad of an analogy. The market is saying, "Look, there is hyper growth in the market, and do you want to be totally out of hyper growth on a day like today, or on a day when, for whatever reason, interest rates go down and the hyper growth slash long duration stocks rocket? That's happened from time to time." And on those days, I like owning Salesforce at 1% in my portfolio. What I really need to do is listen more to Carrie about when to add, but I can't add to it today. Don't sell. All right, I'll do that. Okay, I won't good. sell. Too many acquisitions. Yeah, well, they're not going to be doing many. Of course, they you sold acquisitions it. that didn't work. You sold it in the correctly. spring, last April, spring. April yeah. of 21. Like nine months ago. April of 21. Yeah, very good. April of, very 20, good. Oh, April of 21. Really April sale. of 21. So. Got out of the stock. Yeah. The headcount has grown way too quickly. Um, I think in 2020, the headcount grew by over yeah, 25,000. Wow, you sold period. it 100 bucks higher than here, too. Yeah. We did. Yeah. We did. Um, and that was not me personally. That was the Joe T strategy. So I'm not going to take personal credit for that. But this company has done far too many acquisitions. And there is this, this sense, there's this hesitancy in a lot of these technology companies that you're going to have a slowdown in spending. Let me ask, you, you, have to prepare Let me ask you a personal question. Sure. Who runs the Joe T strategy? <laughs> Do you like asparagus? Right? Okay. Okay, Joe. It's okay. Thank you. All right. Up next, Mike Santoli joins us with his midday word. Plus, our experts getting ready to grade your trade. You can email us, askhalftime at cnbc.com. Of course, you can tweet us too, hashtag grade my trade. We will be right back. We're back. Senior markets commentator Mike Santoli joining us from the New York Stock Exchange for his midday words. Good to see you. We discussed in your last word last night that comeback into the close yesterday, and it was pretty substantial, and it's continued today. It has. Um, you know, we also have discussed for a while now just how sticky the market has been at the index level for the last two to three weeks. 3,800 has been pretty much the low of each day, give or take a, a few basis points. So building on that a little bit, very much the early, you know, New Year mean reversion effect is very much in evidence. I looked at the 18 S&P 500 stocks that were the worst performers in 2022. Today, every one of them is up more than 2%. Most of them are up more than 4%. So you do have a little bit of that last shall be first type dynamic going on here. But it's, it's somewhat encouraging in the sense that, you know, we've gone sideways for this period when people felt like nothing worked. By the way, today is also the final day of the Santa Claus rally period. If we close above 38.22, it was positive again. To me, that's just the removal of a potential negative. Uh, we obviously have a lot of data to get through, and I thought today's batch of numbers perfectly encapsulated things. Manufacturing, deep retrenchment. Uh, we obviously see good news on inflation and labor. Can those things coexist for long? What does it mean for the Fed? Bond yields staying out of the way for now. Quickly, we're, I'm still picking off, uh, you know, uh, high market cap tech, right? What was Apple and Tesla yesterday's Microsoft today? Yeah. 
Right, exactly. And I don't think that that's going to be the, the new leadership group. It's not going to turn on a dime and be the place you want to be. What's more interesting to me is eco-weighted consumer discretionary today up more than 2%. The eco-weighted S&P is up 1.8% now performing. So even on a day when most of them are bouncing, it's not really the core of what the market is telling us. Gotcha. I'll see you in a few hours for your last word. That's yep. Mike Santoli. We're grading your trade next. Send that email. Ask halftime at CNBC.com or tweet us. We'll be right back. Uh, we're going to grade some trade now. Carrie, you're up first. It's from Adrian. It says, bought PayPal at 77 as a long-term hold. Do you like the trade? Yes, Adrian. We do like the trade. And you're right there today. We're right at the 50-day moving average. I think it's on its way higher 14 times 2023 earnings. This is a company that has been through a lot fundamentally. Also, the stock was just decimated over the past year. So we think at this price, you've made a good purchase and you'll make money on it. All right. Jenny, you're up next from Tom. Bought some medical properties trust for around 14 bucks. I know REITs are hard hit, but is it overdone or sell and go into a different dividend play? What's your grade of his trade and your advice here. All right. I'll give you an A because that would mean you're down 14%. Add in the 6%, sorry, add in the 8% yield, you're down 6%. That's a great trade for this year. I will give myself, who paid 20 originally for it, a D minus. I've been awful on this one. So what happened to me last year was I had this huge capital loss, which became very valuable to offset gains. So I've sold most of my position and have been using it as a source of funds for new things I've bought. That being said, Stiefel upgraded it last week. They have a $17 price target on it. They have it at nine and a half times FFO, 2023 FFO. So I think you probably can stick with it and make money from here. Um, I've been really wrong on this stock. All right. Next, Joe from Tony. In my long-term investor account, I bought ADP at 68 bucks. Knowing the market is cyclical and will eventually go up, should I just hold this stock uh, or is it capped out? What do you think? Bought the stock in 2014 if he bought it at 68. This is an A+. You hold on to the stock. December 13th, it made an all-time high. Reasonable valuation, 2% dividend yield. Nice trade, Tony. Stay with it. All right, let's remind you once again, please keep your trades coming in. You can email us, askhalftime at cnbc.com. As we said earlier, you can tweet us as well at Halftime Report. We'll continue to have the committee grade your trades. We'll do final trades next. OT, 4 o'clock Eastern Time. Downtown Josh Brown's with me. Dan Ives, he cut his price target on Apple today. That's a rare move, as all of you know. He'll be with me to explain why. Mark Newton has a new note. He of Fundstrat, of course. He has a new note on Tesla. Where could it trade down to? He's going to tell you at 4 o'clock Eastern time. I hope to see all of you there. Let's do final trades right now. Carrie, you are up first. Thank you, Scott. McGinney. Home Depot had a tough year last year. We think a lot of the news about interest rates being higher and softness on building is in the stock. And we see that people are going to still spend money on home renovation. Okay. That was almost one of your summit picks. You were like right down the wire. I, I, had, a, I had a moment there where I put Home Depot <laughs> in and then I thought, no, I got to lean into Paramount. I, I might have been, we might have had a fight someday or something. And I said, I can't do Likely. Paramount. I can't do Paramount and get, you know, step into it again, but I can. Okay. I will. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Jenny. Lamar Advertising, 5.1% yield. I bought it in the fall at about this level. It's still there now. Business is great. Nice company to be in in this market. Okay. Thank you. Joe T. Give you a minor Newmont. Get some better gold or silver exposure. Wow. So you're big on the gold trade right now. Yeah. 
for trade. Again, just to remind people, you bought the GLD. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you owned gold? Ooh, years ago. All right, that's a statement in and of itself. Uh, Farmer Jim? General Motors. General Motors. Uh, pretty good delivery numbers today. I think there's a lot of things to look forward to in terms of EV rollouts, the autonomous vehicle business, cruise. Trades at six times earnings. Uh, it does have an implication for Tesla, but I'll leave that aside for a second. 1.1% dividend yield that they just instituted below book value. Do I have to go on? Sure. <laughs> but you can't because we're out of time. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Stock Summit continues over the final couple days of this week. I'll see you in overtime. The exchange begins now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.